church, our goal is to be missional. That is the foundation of who we are as a church. Missional means that you are always focused on the mission. And the mission is about reaching people for Jesus Christ. Just want to let you know that's what we're about. And, and in, in the process of doing that, you need to grow stronger. You need to be more in tune in what God is doing in your life. And as you become stronger, as you become more fruitful, then what happens is you are more effective in reaching people and telling people about Jesus Christ. But there's something that usually happens with churches. It's a, it's a, it's a thing we need to be careful of. And that is that sometimes the church moves from what is missional to maintenance. <laughs> we just like us and what we're doing and our floor and no more and we feel good and we feel comfortable and things like, like that. And it's just easy to sit back. Now, there are, there are respites of, 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 of maintenance, of, of, of leveling off that we do, and that's fine. God uses that. But as a heartbeat, our focus has to be to keep seeking, to keep searching. I believe that's eternity, by the way. I believe you think, well, what is heaven going to be like? Am I just going to be floating on clouds up there? If I'm just, is, is, am I just going to, you know, play a harp? <laughs> what, if I'm just going to walk on those streets of gold until I wear them out? What is heaven really about? I'll tell you what it's about. Every day, if there's day. But for ours to understand, every day you're going to learn a little bit more about God. And the next day more. And the next day more. A glorious love. A more, more and more and more. Every day is an experience of the newness, because God is new. That's what God does. And because God is eternal, we'll never stop. We'll never stop growing. We'll never stop. Wow. Have you ever had a, a revelation? Have you ever read God's scripture or, or re- saw something in the word? Of, wow, that, that's good. I hope so. That's what, our, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to focus on. But if you, if you have, that's, that, there's something empowering about that. Well, that truth, I think, is going to be eternal. We are missional. We're always seeking. You know, I ran across a story of homing pigeons. Homing, homing pigeons are fascinating. And to be honest, we still haven't figured it out completely. How do they know? We got a picture of one that all of a sudden he was flying and he turned on his ball and pulled out a map and we figured out, well, that's what it is. And he was trying to figure out where to go. No, no, that's not, that's not true. They don't, it's not about a map. It's not about all that. But... Recently, they discovered a little bit that homing pigeons get to where they need to go through sound. Everything gives off sound. Did you know that? Everything, and I, and I was fascinated by this because I'm thinking, yeah, the rocks cry out. <laughs> you know, and Jesus saying, hey, if you be quiet, these rocks are going to cry out. You know, they're singing all the time. They're, the earth, everything, everything makes a sound, a unique sound. And there's something in a homing pigeon that hears this infrared sound that, the, that it goes, it knows where to go. It follows the sound. So if you take a homing pigeon, you put it in a cage, and you carry it off, you know, 100 miles, 200 miles, 1,000 miles, they, ha- they can find their way back because they're listening intently. They're listening intently. You know what? I think that's what God wants of us. Are we listening intently? And probably more important, which we'll talk about later, what are we listening to? Because it's so easy to listen to the wrong things and going, man, I'm going the wrong way. I'm not doing this. And all of a sudden, you get first lost. They listen intently. They're, in fact, 
their first response is not to go, okay, try to get oriented. Have you ever tried to do that? Have you sure said, okay, where, where am I at? <laughs> if someone picked you up and dropped you off a thousand miles away and didn't tell you anything and you didn't have your iPhone, <laughs> could you find out where you are? I mean, you'd look at the buildings. And, am I at the coast? Am I in mountains? Is it a desert? <laughs> Hopefully not. But if you, if you look over, you try to get oriented. Well, the first response of a homing pigeon is to hear the sound and follow of that. And that first response is important. And that's the first response I believe God wants in, in us. Uh, is our first response hearing what God is saying? Is my first response in this situation, in this crisis, to blame, to cry, to complain, or say, God, what are you saying? What is going on in this? Are you listening? I was watching last Monday with millions of others across the nation. Buffalo playing Cincinnati. I saw the play when DeMar Hamlin ran uh, or, or uh, tackled Higgins, I think it was. And then I saw him stand up and waver and fall to the ground. I knew instantly, that ain't right. <laughs> Come on, he doesn't take a rocket scientist, <laughs> you know, to figure out, hey, that's not right. And immediately watching the other players give their attention, they knew right away this wasn't right. The, the, the medical teams from both sides went out there. This was Cincinnati's home field, and so they had all everything, and they and immediately went to work, and his heart stopped. The heart stopped. And when that happened, they immediately went to give him CPR and to resuscitate his heart, to try to get his heart going again. Their first response, their first response, and what they did, and their knowing what to do saved his life. <laughs> so if you ever... Heart ever stops, make sure you're at a football game. So that's what I got out of it. But the, the, the point out of, out, of, out of all of that is that we need to be, I believe, and this is what the message that God has for us today, we need to be first responders. We need to be spiritual first responders. In other words, what's your first imp, in, in, impulse? What's your first reaction? <laughs> If in, in a situation, in a crisis, what's the first thing that comes to you? Are you pulling out a map thinking, oh, I'm lost, I don't know where? Or are you responding? Are you doing something? What's the first thing that comes up? And if we be honest, a lot of times, it's not always good, is it? It's like my first response is anger, or my first response is pain, or my first response is be hurt, get my feelings hurt. Whatever it is, what's our first response? Last week, I introduced theme that, that, that I'm going to come back to that, that is really our theme for the whole year. You think, well, what's our vision for 2023? To, to get better and to grow closer to God and to not worry. You see, and I talked about how to live worry-free in 23. Nice little uh, slogan, nice little saying, but it's a lifestyle. How many of you worried? I preached it last Sunday, so that means nobody worried about anything this last week, right? You're good. I, I, got, I went through the whole week, didn't worry, right? No, no. So maybe <laughs> there's more we need to understand about how do I live worry-free. Because it's not just about I want this better quality of life of being worry-free. Because remember I, last week I talked about, and I don't have time to go back over. It's on YouTube, corechurchtemper.com. Go do that. <laughs> it's, it's about understanding that we trust God. What is faith? It's all about faith. Is your faith active? Are you trusting God? And, it, and, and we focus on Matthew 6.32 where it says, The Father knows 
My heavenly Father knows what I need. My heavenly Father. See, the world runs after these things. They run after this and that and this, and they, they want all these things. But my heavenly Father knows what I need. He knows. I don't have to run after all these things. I don't have to struggle with all that. My heavenly Father knows. And that is an act of faith. <laughs> that is understanding the, the, what God is trying to do in our life. But I think there's another aspect that I want to talk about this morning in Matthew 6.33. The understanding that the, how do we activate that faith? How do we actually live so that we're not consumed with anxiety and worried about every little freaking thing out there? It's just amazing how we live that way. But God does not want us to do that. He wants us to trust him. So he says, don't worry about the way the world's running around. Understand that your father knows what you need. And then he says this, but seek first his kingdom. Oh, man, those words come off so easy. But how do we live that? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you. You'll get all those things. God knows your need. But you've got to trust God, right? You've got to believe God. But how do you get there? How do you do this? I was watching a YouTube video, much to the chagrin of my sons, because it was about a plane that took off from Canada all the way and was supposed to fly to Spain. Well, of course, now everything that comes up on YouTube is about planes that wrecking. <laughs> it's the whole thing, that's all it is. I don't know how it does that, but it does. But this was fascinating. Because this plane took off, it was a normal, normal flight. But in the, they were flying from Canada to Spain, so over the Atlantic where there's nothing. And halfway there, they start getting all these signals that their fuel was running out. There'd been no bump, there'd been no lightning, there'd been no nothing. Everything was smooth and every, everything registered perfect. And all of a sudden, it says the fuel is just pouring out. So first off, it talked about the confirmation bias. It said, hey, there's no way this is happening. There's no way that this is plane who's two years old that's in, that has a perfect safety record is losing fuel when nothing happened. And so they didn't believe it. They didn't believe it. They believe it. And the fuel kept going out and going out. And, and sometimes uh, I want to apply that to our lives when God says this and we're just, oh, that's not, can't be, that can't be. But what happened is they finally realized, okay, duh, we're going to die. You know, because we're at 39,000 feet and the fuel is going to, you know, is, is running out. And sometimes it takes that for things to get turned around. So they pull out the manual. Hey, when you're at 39,000 feet and all your fuel is pouring out, what do you do? Someone somewhere wrote this. <laughs> I think that's funny. So he pulls it out and, they, and it says, hey, drop to 20,000 feet. You'll conserve fuel. Okay, now you've got a problem. You're the pilot. You're at 39,000 feet. You found a little island right in the middle of the, of the Atlantic Ocean that you can land to. But you're running out of fuel quick. If you drop to 20,000 feet and you run out of fuel before you can glide and get there, you're going to crash in the ocean and you're going to die. Everybody's going to die. Those things. It's just. But if you stay at 39,000 feet, you have more room. <laughs> so do you have that cushion or do you follow the manual? They decided it's much better to stay higher and glide down. Sure enough, they ran out of fuel completely. They're gone. No fuel. And, they, and, of course, they have no power. They have the coolest thing. You know, some people are smart. They have this thing where it, something pops out, a little propeller pops out of the bottom when all the power goes off of the plane, 
and the wind blows it, and it gives it power so they can see their instruments. I'm thinking, that's smart. Some engineer somewhere figured that out. I'm thinking, he deserves a pat on the back. They didn't even mention him at all. But I just thought that was the coolest thing. So they're flying, they're flying, and they coast down, and they get awards. They coast all the way down. Uh, the longest glide ever in a, in a jet. So they get pats on the back and everything until they started doing some of the uh, investigation. And this is what they found. Something broke in the engine. And all the fuel is pouring out. But they calculated if they had done what the manual said and dropped to 20,000 feet, they would have landed full power all the way there with fuel in the tank. So they did this heroic thing, but they didn't get the word right. And sometimes we do the same thing, do we not? We think God says give, and it should be given. Wow, oh, man, I better, I, don't, I better stay up this 39,000 feet because that's not going to happen serve, and God will bless you, or whatever it is, whatever, whatever God's asking you to do, whatever it is, he's like, oh, we have this confirmation bias in our soul that says, well, that's not what everyone else would do. That's not what I would do. I don't, sh- I'm not sure I, I, I want to do that, and we do the same thing. We forget what God's word says, and all of a sudden, we start going the wrong way. This morning, I have one simple thought. You're thinking, what is going on? Pastor Greg only has one point. This is it. Write it down. You've got to memorize it. You think, man, the world's coming to an end. Here it is. Becoming a spiritual first responder means seeking his kingdom priorities. The reason I only have one point, because if we can get that one, that's all we need. If we can understand about kingdom priorities. And you see, that's what it says when he says, but seek ye first. Sorry, I... I memorize it in King James, and it keeps going back. <laughs> it's in my soul. <laughs> but seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And in other words, set the right priorities. You've got to trust God. I'm going to trust God. But if you're making wrong, stupid decisions, <laughs> sorry, pastor. Okay, so if you're, making, if you're making decisions that aren't good for you, that aren't healthy for you, you're going to say, well, I can trust God. And you're going to be coasting and thinking, God, I need a miracle. And God gives you a miracle. God will you know, help you land the, that thing. But if you just trusted what his word said, when you get down to that 20,000, you can fly all the way there and say, wow, isn't that amazing? <laughs> I can trust what God's saying. But we have to seek his priorities first. You have to make right decisions. You have to put the priorities of what God wants you to do in front of what you want. I was really struck by the, the whole discussion of priorities. So the same NFL that wouldn't stand f- for something patriotic like the national anthem will kneel in the middle of the, of the field and pray and cry out to God. That there's even broadcasters that pray online. And I'm thinking, oh, what just happened? <laughs> What was, what, what, that was good. I'm praying with them. I'm believing. And man, it's such a a miracle to see how God has touched uh, Damara. And I believe that it's because of prayer that all that happened. So I'm, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just thinking, isn't that interesting? Those priorities just got shifted around. And sometimes we say, God, why are I in this terrible spot? Because you would have the wrong priorities unless God allowed this world sometimes to focus what is really important in our life and what we need to do. But I was 
intrigued by the two coaches they were talking in private because one coach said this. And the other, the one coach said, uh, the Buffalo coach said, I should not be coaching. I should be at his bed. And the other one said, you're right. And that's why they canceled the game because there was a priority that all of a sudden shifted. He's the coach. If there's anyone that's got to carry that vision and carry what you got to go, and come on, players, we can do this and do all that, you know. If there's anybody that should do that, but all of a sudden, wait, 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 wait. These priorities are shifted now. They're, they're really, really different. And I think sometimes that's our problem in our Christian life. Why do we have the wrong priorities? I love God, but it seems like I'm choosing the wrong things. Why is that? How do I switch these priorities? And I think it comes down to something very, very simple. We just get distracted. It's not like we're saying, I don't want God. And we're just saying, I want this more. I, I like this. <laughs> I want to go this direction. And we, we have the wrong priorities of being distracted. You know what's interesting about first responders? Is when that alarm goes off, stop in mid-bite. I mean, they put their spoon down, they stand up, they run to the fire engine. <laughs> Why are the fire engines always coming if there's a, a medical uh, emergency? Because they're the first ones there. Because they have learned something. They put every distraction aside. Everything doesn't matter. The only thing that matters, if they're not dressed, they're dressing on the way. <laughs> if they ate, they just leave it there. It's on the table. They're running to the fire truck, and then there's sounds going, blaring, saying, get out of my way. Don't be uh, a distraction. It's not about you. It's about me getting to where I'm going, and I'm thinking, man, that's what we need to be on a spiritual level, is to have that sirens going, thinking, God, it's about you. God, my priority is you. Jesus, uh, Jesus goes to his best friend's house. I'm convinced Lazarus was, was Jesus' best friend. And with Mary and Martha. He loved these guys. I'm watching The Chosen. I love The Chosen, by the way. <laughs> Don't say anything bad about The Chosen to me. Because I, I, the, the series, because they try to give you a backstory using still biblical base. And, and in, that, uh, in this, their, their idea is that Jesus grew up with Lazarus. I don't know if that's true. But what is true is that he had a close relationship with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And so what happens is he, he goes to their house because he loved to hang out with, with Mary and teach her. And Lazarus was his bud. <laughs> but Martha's cooking was out of this world. I'm convinced he went because he loved Martha's cooking. And now from this story, a lot of times we, we pick on poor Martha. We say, Martha. Martha, you're doing it all wrong. Be like Mary. And we've taught that in churches so much, all of a sudden nothing gets done. Because <laughs> Marthas are the only ones that get it done. Marthas or Marks or whatever. They're the ones that get it done. So in this particular situation, they're all sitting there and Martha's in the kitchen and Mary's at Jesus' feet and Lazarus is hanging back, you know, doing what, what he does, listening. And all of, a, all of a sudden, there's a problem. Luke chapter 10, verse 40. It says, but Martha, <laughs> but Martha was distracted. That, that word literally means carried away. What are you carried away about this morning? Martha was distracted by all the preparations and everything that had to be done. These things had to be done. This isn't just like, oh, I feel like cooking. I don't feel like cooking. Jesus is there and he's hungry, okay? She, she, it, these things had to be done. 
But it really wasn't about any of that. So she came to him, to Jesus, and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her, tell her, tell her to help me. What is this really about? Is it it about that Martha should have been sitting at Jesus' feet and not doing so nobody eats? I don't think so. Because I think what happened is Martha got carried away by the wrong thing. What did she get carried away about? What was she distracted about? The food? Mm -mm. It was something. She actually gives us the answer because this is what she says. Don't you care? She said that to Jesus. She Imagine saying that to Jesus who's about to go to the cross and die for her. You Do you care? Don't you care? Because we've never said that. We've never said, God, don't you care that I'm suffering? Don't you care? This is hard. Don't you care? So you could take everything out of the middle, and it just simply says this. She said, don't you care about me? You obviously care about Mary because you're, you're with her. But what am I? See, what she got distracted about was an insecurity, was a fear, was a doubt was a lack of trust. That's what she was distracted about. Wait, if she knew God cares about me, Jesus cares about me, the rabbi cares about my food more than, more than anything. <laughs> my, the rabbi loves me. The master's right here. Jesus is right here. He cares about me. She would not be complaining. She would be in the kitchen just <laughs> doing what she's doing because that's, that's her gifting. That's, it would be easy. But no, 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 no. She was distracted because she didn't believe. She came to the point she thought, Maybe he doesn't care about me. doesn't care about what I do. It's so easy to get distracted. And I'm, I'm telling you, the reason you'll live this whole year filled with anxiety and worry and not trusting God is because you get distracted because you don't believe he really cares. You don't believe he can really heal me. You don't believe he can really change my life. You don't believe he can meet my financial needs. You don't believe those. And we have to come to the point where we say, God, I trust you. God, I believe you. Jesus looked at her and said, Mary, no, Martha, Martha, said her name twice. Oh, it must have felt like daggers in her heart because he said it with such love and such power. He's the son of God. (laughs) So if I'm complaining and God says, Greg, Greg, I'm going, oh, I'm such an idiot. (laughs) Martha, Martha, you worry about so many things. You're so easily distracted from my love and from who I am. Don't be that way. Mary knows that I love her. She's chosen the right thing. Will you? Do you? Know that God loves you. That he's after to take care of you. That he hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't forgotten you. Jesus goes on after Matthew 6.33 about seeking first the kingdom of God. And he said, does something really strange. He, he talked about seeking, but then he amplifies it just to give us this incredible picture. He says, uh, ask, seek, knock. <laughs> Wait, which, what are we supposed to do? And it's really interesting. If you look closely at this, you'll see a progression. Asking is sort of simple, just inquiring. You know, it's not real deep. Seeking is a little bit more intense. I want to find out what God's doing in my life. But knocking, let me in, that's real aggressive. 
Jesus says, this will blow you away. Because if you're thinking, God, I don't know how to make you my priority. God, I'm not sure. How, to, how do I turn my heart? So my first instinct is, God, I trust you. <laughs> my first instinct is not to get out my map and say, how can I figure this out? My first instinct is, God, what do you need? What is your voice saying? Am I hearing what you're doing? This is what he says in Matthew 7, 8. He says, for everyone, everyone, that includes you, that includes me, for everyone who asks, receives, if you just ask. The one who seeks is going to find. The one who knocks, the door will be open. What did Jesus do? Whether you're just asking, whether you're seeking, whether you're knocking, God will be there. There is an answer. I love the beauty of that. I love because we just think, man, I, I don't think I can knock. All I'm doing is asking. All, all I'm doing is just saying, God, where are you? That's okay. That's enough. Because you know what all that does is it rearranges your priorities. The door will be opened. God will do that. You see, you will find God if you keep his priorities. You will have that close relationship. You will see God grow in you if you keep his priorities and what's going on. See, living worry-free is about spiritual priorities. Where are yours? This week it's been like, where are mine? Easily distracted, saying, God, uh, this is not right, and that's not right. And he's saying, trust me. How will you respond? How will you respond to the kingdom? I love the passage in Ephesians 3, 20, 21. It's, just listen, because I think it's something powerful here. He says in, in, in uh, Ephesians 3, 20, 21, Now to him who is able... Okay, that's where it starts. God's able to do immeasurably more, so much more than we ask. There it is. Or we imagine or seek or knock. According to the power, there is real power. You set his priorities right, and there is power. If you're doing your priorities and win the world, then we say, God, I have no power. And you're just gliding down, hoping for a miracle. Instead of trusting God, saying, God, this is what your word said. I'm going to trust you. This is what you're saying. I'm going to believe it. This is what the way I should live. I'm going to do that. The world doesn't want you to live this way. The world doesn't want you to trust this way. The world doesn't want you to think this way. But God does. He says, this is the power that's working in you. To him be glory in the church. Let me say that one more time. To be glory in the church. To be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. To be glory in the church. The priorities come. You are the church. You are the body. God brings glory through his power. In other words, we grow stronger in what he's doing because of everything that God's doing. It's easy to sometimes come against the church for here and that. And I, and I understand that. And there's, there's people, out. everyone is, 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 is not perfect like we are. But... Why is that fun? No, it's just kidding. <laughs> but we look around and we say, why is this? I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't, I don't want to do that. God loves his church. God loves his church. It's made up of people just like me and you. <laughs> and sometimes they, they get it right. Sometimes they don't. I, I, I'm just intrigued. The disciples were fighting. They were arguing. I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. Imagine doing that next to Jesus. <laughs> just so funny. The Bible is hysterical. So the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest next to Jesus. 
Jesus, they, of course, they were afraid to tell him that. So Jesus, because he's God, says, oh, okay, I know what you're talking about. Let me tell you what, what this is all, all about. He talks about the child. The least will be the greatest. And then something interesting happens. John gets convicted. John gets really convicted, and he says, uh, uh, Rabbi, there were some people over there, and they were casting out demons in your name. But we didn't know them. They're not part of our club. They didn't have our card. They didn't have our secret handshake. They didn't know our prayer. They didn't look like us. They didn't sound like us. But they were casting out people in your name. So we, 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 we stopped <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> look, if they're doing it in my name, they're not against you. Let them be. Pray for them. Encourage them. And I think as a body... If we're going to have the glory of God in our life, we need it the same way. Everyone won't get it as right as we are. <laughs> I just, you understand, there's a little sarcasm in that. But the point is that we need to learn how to put God's priority first. And what does God do? Love them. Encourage them. Strengthen them. Pray for them. If, if every, every single criticism was preceded by Three months of prayer for that wouldn't be too much criticism because God brings change about it. Let me give you this last verse, Colossians 3.1. I love this. Since, since you have been raised with Christ, okay, set, or you know what that means? Search. Keep searching. Put, keep your heart. Keep your heart searching. And let that first response be, God, I'm going to trust you. God, I believe in you. God, this is what you're doing in my life. Keep doing that. Keep, set your heart, your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Make the right priorities. Keep sinking things above. Keep searching for God. Let that be your first instinct. Say, God, what do you want? God, what is my priority? This is what you need to understand. People will not understand your priorities. It is our, as a church, it's our priorities. It, as a body of Christ, they won't understand it. You give What? You do what? That's not biblical. I don't want to do that. They don't like that. They won't understand. They won't understand your commitment to service. They won't understand uh, your commitment to one another, <laughs> to love one another, forgive one another. They don't understand that. The, the world priority is different. So all of this comes with a, a warning. God's priorities are not easy, but they bring life wholeness and, and, and something that turns everything around that we can trust in him that we become imagine a whole church of first responders spiritually first responders that love that touch that, that pray that encourage that teach that, that serve that give that whatever it is God I'm going to be there I'm going to do that I'm, that's going it's my heart put those priorities instead of being distracted and saying I don't know maybe I could just skip this month Maybe I don't have to do this or do that or whatever. God loves you. The power of God is in you to change the world because the glory of God is in the church. God's glory is in you. Watch and see what he does. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, speak to us. God, I pray you be with each person. If there's anybody here that has their priorities more toward the world and not towards you. Pray, God, that that 
first instinct, that first response, that honing instinct says, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to give my life to you. And maybe you've never given your life to Christ or maybe you did it a long time ago. But God's here right now. And if you say, God, I need you first in my life. I need to put you first in my life. I want to pray with you. And I'll pray with you right where you're at. And I'm going to say a prayer. And I want you to repeat it out loud or in your heart. Repeat it and say, God, that's what I want. Say, dear Jesus, come into my heart. I give you first priority of all that I am. I surrender my life to you. And I believe that you're going to touch me and save me. Forgive me of all of my sins. And God, I love you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.